0: Hello and welcome to episode 3 of the Stress Sessions. We're back after a little break and I'm delighted to share this podcast with you at a really relevant time. Lots of children will go back to school for the first time in months next week, so to put all of the worried parents out there at ease, I've caught up with my good friend Emma, who's an assistant head teacher. We're talking about what your kids can expect when they return to the classroom, how mental health is so much more prominent than when I was at school and what else the education system is doing to help your kids grow up in a very daunting world. So here's episode three. Welcome to the podcast.
1: Thank you very much. Thank you for having me.
0: And like I'm probably going to get this wrong, but you're a deputy headteacher, aren't you, at your school?
1: Assistant headteacher, but I'll take the promotion if you're up (laughs) it. It's it's free. I'm an an assistant
0: headteacher. We've never really spoken about mental health before, have we, like, as in... No, to each other. Are you no. happy to speak about it or?
1: Absolutely, yeah. Yeah, that's uh, more than happy to. Yeah, I've always been quite quite open about it.
0: <laughs> I, don't, I mean, I don't know why we've never spoken about it. I, it's just never really come up, has it? I don't think. And Which I
1: think we've both. I think we've both been very quite aware that each other have had struggles in the past, and yeah. we've been quite. Yeah empathetic to that but it's never really been a moment where we've sat down and probably spoken about it like you've had hard hard times I've seen you go through that you've seen me have hard times but it's never really been a moment where we've sat down and gone through all the past of it because it's not really been relevant at that moment I think that's probably why isn't it
0: yeah and yeah like Mm. you said we've both kind of we've both sort of known that each other has been through stuff. Mm and like i know that we'll always send a message going oh like if, if you need to chat blah blah whatever like yeah. yeah but yeah like so tell like when i don't know really now to start this bit really but like when when did you sort of start being aware that you were suffering from men- mental health problems
1: um, I, it was actually when I was at school, so it was oh, okay. between year 10 and year 11, so I was relatively young, i would say, but not necessarily grand. I was young for our generation, I'd say, because I think, it, as I said, it's getting more prevalent in the younger years now. Mm. And I just remember, it was over some holidays, and I was just really sad, Like, and genuinely had no reason to be sad. I've got the best... You've, you've met my family, they're lovely, they're great, yes. and I had absolutely no reason, I had decent education, I explained, but I was just really sad and I didn't know it then but I was suffering really badly with anxiety. So I'd get up in the morning and I'd burst into tears. I'd be really panicky and really, really scared and I couldn't I couldn't explain why. And my parents were asking me, they were brilliant. They took me to the doctor and I got palmed off with my old her whole she would be fine. Like that old chestnut But eventually I saw a doctor that realised that something wasn't quite right. And I actually think that it was, um, I'd not been very well. I'd been, um, I'd had a virus, and I actually think it was that virus that physically changed the chemicals in my brain. Uh, the chemicals okay. in my brain were out of sync, and I was actually getting more of a depressing hormone than I should have been. Mm. Um, and I had a bit of counselling then, and I, I was medicated, and it, it was quite a long process, but eventually I did start feeling. A lot more like me. I would probably say I came off medication. Thirteen, a couple of years I was on it, and that that's what I think that's probably why I'm so passionate about what I do because what got me through was the routine of school, going into school every day, having something to distract me, having something to focus on, really did help. And I think that's probably why I think school and those routines and having those people with so important to young people because it's something that helped me.
0: Yeah, I I agree. I, I and I think that I think I suffered from mental health issues probably when I was a teenager as well, but I just didn't realise it at the time and I don't think my, like anybody mm-hmm. realised it. Um
1: Yeah, yeah, like it was a complete shock to my parents because they they hadn't really been aware of anybody that had mental health issues. It was frustrating for us all because there was absolutely—you'd always associate being sad with being caused to be sad or being yeah, anxious yeah. or scared because something was scaring you—and to have somebody sit in front of you and saying, "That's not the case at all, but this is still how I feel"—was really confusing and frustrating for everyone. So, but yeah. yeah, like as I say, I would never have said that at the time I was suffering from anxiety because that wasn't something I was even aware was a thing.
0: Were your parents quite understanding of it? Did you did did they kind of understand what what anxiety um, they was? They were
1: extremely supportive, but no, they weren't understanding. But then I didn't understand it myself.
0: Like, yeah, yeah.
1: I I remember they were really quite focused. Particularly my mum, she was really quite focused on the fact that there was something I wasn't telling her, and it took quite a while for her to realise that actually that I wasn't lying, I wasn't being bullied, I wasn't hiding something, there was nothing sinister beyond it i was just really not very well and once we got the doctor to diagnose it and they actually said we think it's chemicals we think that they explained it as having a cold in your head and oh. once they had that and they said that there, there were tablets for it and that it became a lot a lot easier to understand but i think that was quite a conflict at the beginning that there must be a cause and there isn't always a cause
0: yeah i, I mean i i've I've always found it quite difficult to explain to my parents. Kind of, mm. e- even when I tell them what I'm feeling like I still don't a hundred percent feel that they understand where I'm coming from. And e- even though that they've they've probably had mental health issues of, of, of their own, either in the past or present or, or whatever, I, mm. I I think they sort of struggle to understand where it's coming from. So I've always kind of struggled quite a lot to kind of get my point across with it and
1: yeah and I, I think it's something quite complex that it's not this is like it's brilliant to talk about but I have no idea why it happened to me I have no idea why I happen to be the one in four however many it is now like I guess I was just unlucky or something wasn't quite right so for me to have absolutely no understanding at the time of what was happening to me to get somebody else to understand that was quite a challenge Like if somebody, the analogy now is if you break your leg, you go to the hospital and somebody puts a cast on it and it's very much the same with mental health. If you are not feeling right and you are ill and you're not feeling great, go to a doctor and get them to patch you up because they can. Like sitting at home thinking, I feel really sad and I don't know why, it it doesn't fix you.
0: No, no. But, But then at the same time, there are different things or different methods that work for different people because
1: yeah absolutely like I've um I've had CBT in the past as well that was um that was useful the first time around when I was young that I found quite useful because it was thinking it, it, taking your thoughts and thinking different ways and that is what I needed then but after I had my little girl I, I really struggled for a little while like you know she was um we found out she was poorly whilst I was pregnant and it was quite a horrific mm. pregnancy and then when she was born she was really ill. So I didn't really deal with it then I kind of just carried on and it wasn't until a little while later that I suddenly realized it was all it was all piling up and I probably needed to act and I had CBT then and it just didn't work. Oh, I had a few okay. sessions and I was like this isn't this isn't actually the right therapy for me this time so it really is like that's one thing I can emphasize enough emphasize enough. there are so many different things out there that can help and you do you do have to go and find the one that works for you sometimes like, I got medicated after having my child and we were talking before we started recording. I feel like I wasted a year. I wish I'd done it sooner because it really did help. Mm -hmm. Yet CBT worked the first time and it didn't work the second time. So I think that's something that we all need to be aware of, that it's not just about medication. It's not just about going to a doctor and saying you're crazy or you're mental. There's so much out there that can help. And don't be too disheartened if the first thing that you try doesn't help.
0: Yeah, no, totally. I absolutely agree with that. And would you say that there's any sort of techniques or stuff that you do that helps you personally so i guess like some people meditate don't they and stuff like that but mm. i've i've ne never really i i've i've tried it but it's never really helped me is there anything that you that you do personally that helps you?
1: I have to be quite careful with my sleep. So if I'm starting to feel wobbly again, I have to make sure I've had enough sleep because when I get tired, I find everything can pile up a little bit more. And sometimes that's quite difficult. i work long hours when I am at school and obviously got a child, come home. I do do like spending time with my husband on the occasion. So sometimes (laughs) I really do have to think, actually, I need to have a bit of me time now. And sometimes that's sleeping. And I find that that helps. Um, I used to go out, on a lot of walks I used to just go out and it was very much when I was really poorly when I was younger it was very much about trying to fill time and keep busy mm-hmm. and that was quite helpful so actually doing things that like having plans and having something that I knew would occupy me so I wasn't thinking and therefore getting anxious so I think that was that was probably it but I think one of the things that I struggled with the most particularly after having my daughter was This overwhelming fear of not wanting to be depressed again, and I gave myself a really hard time over that, which is why I waited so long to actually get proper help. I was so frustrated and so adamant that I did not want to feel the way I used to that I didn't deal with it very well, so I kind of buried my head in the sand. So, I think that that's another thing that people need to be aware of that actually it can come back, it can make you feel poorly again, but it doesn't mean that you're going to be wiped out for another couple of years. And if you stay on top of it and get to know what's what's bad thoughts and what is bad routines and what's bad energy and actually get to know yourself, like, you, you do have blips, so you have a few bad days, but if it's turning into a few bad weeks, do you need to follow that up and do you need to do something about that again? And not actually having that fear or that, like, I was so stubborn after I had my child of not wanting to be mentally ill mm. that I probably made myself a lot more mentally ill because it didn't just deal with it.
0: Yeah. And it, the, the thing is, always well, having a child as well must have thrown you off a little bit because you're out, you, you do get thrown off you, like, the usual routine. And I know from having anxiety myself for years that. I feel like routine's key. So if, if if my routine gets thrown out a little bit, it will just it will throw up my whole day, whole week, or whatever. So is that is that similar for you, or or do you? Think, is it different? Well,
1: absolutely. Like our routine changed massively because she was in hospital for so long. So we were brand new parents with this brand new tiny dot, not not at home, not like again. My my family were absolutely brilliant. They'd come to the hospital and that, but it's not the same as being in your own environment. And then, obviously, a new baby means you're not sleeping. And as I said, one of the things that I know I need is decent sleep. So, absolutely, I think a routine is a huge change and it can it can have a negative impact on you and it can take you a while to adjust. But, yeah, right, I think that's probably... One of the toughest learning curves I had is not necessarily to be so stubborn and adamant about it. And uh, it surprised me, actually, because I am so open about mental health and I am so honest about it. But I became that person that didn't want to be mentally ill. And I was like, it was quite a talking to I had to give to myself where I was actually like, no, it's okay. You've been through this before you got better like why why are you suddenly being a bit of an arse about it and deciding you don't want to be that person it's okay to be that person you need to just get on with it and recover from it and I did as soon as I went and I got medicated and I wasn't on medication for very long It was only a few months I got better really quickly and I the biggest frustration I had was that I didn't do it sooner
0: yeah I but but then I don't blame you for trying to be like that because Mm. that that's what you thought would be best at that point in time so it's not it's not a bad thing it just took you a little bit longer to realize Mm. that oh no that's not what I should be doing but I should be doing this so Mm. I think and it
1: is it's it's very much they they said it was post-traumatic because obviously when she was born where she was so poorly for so long we were very much Living off adrenaline, waiting for her to get better, waiting for things to settle. And when they did, everyone was like, "Oh, you must be so happy now! Like she's she's absolutely beautiful. She's doing really well. She's she's over the worst." And I, I was thinking, well, yeah, but and I I've always been quite not not negative about her illness, but I've always been quite realistic about it and know that it it can it can manifest itself again, it can come back like she's she's not going to be cured until she's quite a bit older. So to me it's always it's a niggling thing that's always there. So I think that was probably why there was a lot of positivity around me and because of that I think I probably thought, Oh yeah, they're right, that things are getting better but behind the scenes they weren't.
0: Yeah, and the thing is as well is that well, it's, we, sometimes it is very, very easy to hide how you're feeling because you literally just bury it and mm. you think, now, nah, it'll get better, it'll get better. And then Yeah,
1: absolutely. And if you're focusing <laughs> on something else, which obviously is a newborn baby, then you're even less likely to think about yourself, aren't you?
0: Yeah, because you're putting your child first, I guess. But yeah. Yeah. Yeah the the moral is a waste to speak. <laughs> That's literally it.
1: Yeah, I think I think it definitely is, and I, th- I think it is to be a bit honest with yourself. And if you're not if you're not feeling great, and it's starting to affect you and your everyday life, that, there's no there's no person in this world who would break their leg and continue to walk on it and pretend it wasn't hurting in the hope that one day it would fix itself. You don't do that. You break your leg and you will go and you'll get an X-ray and you'll get it faster. And I think that's that's very much the mentality we need to start having about invisible
0: illness, isn't it? Yeah, definitely. That's, I might use that quote. That's a very good quote. <laughs> <laughs> I, was, <laughs> I let you that one. I was like, hmm, that's, that'd be a good one to use. No, that's, no that's, <laughs> that's a really good way to put it though. No, really good. I don't know. What else, what, is there anything else that you want to talk about at all?
1: really i'm just i'm just really hopeful that everything that we are doing with the younger generation will start having a really good impact soon and i just i really hope that this covid business not i know i'm not naive enough to say it's going to go away but i hope that there's enough people out there that realize that there's help out there if they are feeling the effects of it particularly now like i I've struggled with it because I don't really I don't really think about it very often but then I was talking I went to um, see one of my friends for lunch today and I was like I've not seen since before lockdown and we sat there and we were talking about it and I was like when you actually sit and think about it it's mental isn't it like, it's yeah, it absolutely is, yeah. crazy what's happened and I think we just need to be a bit kinder to ourselves at the moment and realise that what we've been through as a society is is crazy and yeah I know it's really cheesy but actually looking at one another I like we're spending a lot of time doing that for for our students, but making sure you don't forget anybody. And it's easy to during lockdown and during times where you don't necessarily socialise, but making sure that you are still reaching out to other people. And if you are feeling wobbly, being the person that that does reach out.
0: Yeah, and it's I mean the the, the one thing that gets me at the minute is the whole wearing masks in shops. So like everything's gone back to kind of pretty much normal now and then yeah like so we, we went we went to the gym this afternoon and then we start. we was like oh let's, let's go to a M&S and get like a bit of food so we'd like just get like a i don't know like pass the bake or something so we don't have to cook anything again so we went in there and we're, like, yeah. we like we started walking in, and i was like shit we haven't got masks <laughs> you know we're just like these
1: fucking masks. I'm so paranoid I'm going to do that. I'm absolutely paranoid that I'm going to do that. It's one of my worst fears. And even halfway around the shops, I'm like, oh my God, I'm not wearing And I know I am wearing it. <laughs> I'm so worried. So I'm glad you've done it so. That makes yeah, we
0: we always keep them in the car now. Like we've, we've got like, I think we've got yeah. like six of them now. So we have, we always have two in the car, luckily. But...
1: Yeah, we've got, yeah, we keep them in the car. And handbags
0: and basically everywhere <laughs> just got a trailer of them. This is so weird though. That it's like you you didn't like. Nobody would have ever really worn a mask ever, and then now mm. it's just, it's just become. I, I think, I think that's one of the weirdest things. that Everybody just wears wears masks now. I just think. Yeah, it's and weird.
1: you don't like. I don't notice it now. Like I don't go. Oh, they're wearing a mask. It's just normal. It's amazing how quickly once things do change, you adapt, isn't it? Right. Like, yeah. When you, yeah. If you But you're right. If somebody had been walking around Tesco's with a mask a few months ago, you would have you'd you would be, have looked twice and been like, "Oh, I wonder what's up with that."
0: You'd have been judging. But now,
1: the <laughs> absolute rage I feel if somebody's not wearing a mask or they're doing that thing where they keep their nose out, and I'm like, "Oh, what there, are you doing? You breathe through your nose as well."
0: There, there was a person in M&S that was she. I walked past her and I was like, "What are you doing?" She was basically she had a mask on, but she had it under her it was, she was kind of like it's kind of under her mouth and you know you're I mean? like what yeah. is what is
1: the point what are you doing
0: just what's the point exactly I, yeah
1: and these people that half around the shops take it off so they can quickly breathe and i'm like you don't see doctors doing that do you like, like sort yourself out if you're in tesco's what 20 minutes i think you're probably going to be all right.
0: yeah it's uh, yeah i don't i don't understand Some people. it's very strange I wasn't going to say, is there any funny stories we've got? But I don't know if there is. There's pretty loads of funny stories. Well,
1: but... I was going to say, when you were trying to work out how long we've known each other, do you remember how you introduced yourself to me? <laughs>
0: oh, I do remember, but you can tell the story. Can
1: <laughs> you not <don't> remember?
0: <laughs> no, I can. I can't remember.
1: Oh, OK. So, <laughs> you were obviously friends with a couple of people that I went to uni with, and we, went to, uh, we were all back home, and we went to our local club. And, um... You introduced yourself as an ankle model, didn't you, to me? And because I'm, well, first of all, apparently massively gullible, and I also remember making you show me your socks and your ankles and thinking, oh, yeah, they're quite nice. <laughs> I believed you. It was totally... Because i just in the wildest jeans. I wouldn't have ever believed that somebody would just say that. <laughs> and it wasn't until I went out um, a couple of days later to Mar- with Martin, who's been on the podcast as well, to Blue Water, and I said something about you. And he just started wetting himself, and I was like, "He's not, he's not an ankle model, is he?" And he was like, of course he's not. So I really did think that I knew an ankle model, for it, it was a the, the best few days of my life, to be honest. And then it was all ruined. I, I mean, I could be. It, it's. Uh, it just, yeah, you could have
0: been. I checked. So I maybe show me. It
1: was a career <laughs> that I, I just.
0: It's a career path that I chose not to take. <laughs> yeah.
1: No. No. Missed opportunities, eh?
0: I just. And oh. then
1: uh, when we did go on a holiday, and we came up with a uh, a job each that we would tell people that we met whilst we were out there. That was quite fun. You you, you remained an
0: ankle model, didn't you? It was apparently oh, well. such a
1: believable story.
0: Yeah, I was. Not... And Martin was a racing car driver, wasn't
1: he? Yeah, but he had to retire because he got too tall. See <laughs> <laughs> you now you say it, it doesn't sound believable at all. No. TV presenter, definitely believable. <laughs>
0: Definitely. <laughs> like, the, the one thing I remember about that holiday was <laughs> you had that fucking horrible hat, and I just kept launching <laughs> <into> the pool. it <laughs> is, <hats>. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> I've was... yeah, still got that
1: somewhere. Yeah, yeah, whenever that's comes on the day with me, I've been well judged, mostly.
0: <laughs> I was, I was like, <laughs> it just needs, needs to go in the pool. But yeah, oh, that's a good holiday, that. That's quite funny. That
1: no, was a good holiday. That was a good holiday.
0: So what have you found has kind of worked best and what hasn't worked so well in your school based on your experiences of helping kids with that sort of, in, in your sort of role, I guess?
1: Well, it's a new role, so I don't technically start it to September, but I think oh, okay. one of the, the huge shifts that I've noticed so much, and I've been teaching now for, well, nine, ten years, was... Um, There's been a huge shift away from just thinking about exam results and actually thinking of children as children and students. If you look at Ofsted, they've just um, brought out a new framework last year and instead of focusing on what used to be outcomes, teaching and learning, that's all still in there, but they also now have a section on personal development and it looks at what we're doing to support the child, what we're doing to support them as a person rather than just trying to get them to learn an exam and go out with a qualification at the end of it. So there is a huge emphasis now on what we're actually doing to promote good mental health, good health, good understanding of sex and relationships, everything that you need to be aware of as you're growing up in order to be successful in the world. That is something that they focus on quite heavily now. And I think that's probably quite a shift since we were at school, especially we're both grammar school. So, Mm. you know, as well as I do, that there was quite a focus on results. And the pastoral side wasn't necessarily always there. Whereas now it's very much they go hand in hand. There needs to be good restore structure in order to support students.
0: Yeah, because I, I I just remember that when I was at school, when it was it, like you said, it it was very results driven, and mm. there wasn't a focus at all on mental health. I don't not that I remember anyway. There was no there was no kind of life skills lessons or you didn't like don't get me wrong, I did learn a lot at school, but there was a lot of stuff that I probably didn't need to learn that could have been superseded by other stuff that I would have needed to learn. So kind of just general life skills of, like you said. Absolutely.
1: I remember we had to do PSHE and it was very much a, oh, we have to teach you this because it's in the curriculum. And it was almost, they were a bit annoyed at the fact that they had to give curriculum time over to it, because they wanted to focus on the more academic side. Mm -hmm. Whereas now, I've had to oversee the planning of that curriculum, and it actually makes you realise just how important it is, for all the different elements, and actually the importance of, especially in a non-selective school where they're not grammar school students and they're not necessarily fly high as academically is even more important and they get that support and they have a better understanding of who they could be as a person rather than just can you succeed academically oh no you can't I'm well, sorry about that
0: yeah and I guess that by teaching kids those sort of life skills quite early on it it helps them develop as a person like you said and I I just remember that there's a lot. Like, I'm I'm not going to name any names because I I I did that in the previous episode and I probably shouldn't have. But I <laughs> I just bad, remember like, that.
1: Well, while to edit? Yeah, yeah.
0: yeah. And I <laughs> but I, I just remember there was there was kids at school that could have done with those sort of life skills lessons and mm. they would have kind of developed more as a person by having those lessons and and myself included, I guess. And it, mm-hmm. it's just a shame that there wasn't really a focus on that earlier on, because I feel like a lot of people would have benefited from it.
1: Yeah, and I, it's difficult, isn't it? Because obviously there is a lot more emphasis on that. And is, is there more emphasis on it because we didn't do it several years ago and now we're in a stage where mental health is a lot more prominent and is it more prominent because there wasn't that support at school and so are we are we actually just playing catch-up now in order to try and do you see what i mean yeah, so yeah it interests me when i think about it that this is absolutely necessary but you're right if it had been a little bit more prevalent when we were growing up would it be as important as it, as it is today i don't know and i yeah. think obviously going into lockdown i i I've always said I couldn't be a teenager again, and I see that on a day-to-day basis, what they have to go through, all their emotions, is absolutely rubbish, and I don't know how we all how we all get through that when we are teenagers. But going into lockdown and having everything that you need to be a teenager taken away from you, I think that when we do go back to work, it's going to be even more important, that this, this side of things, understanding mental health, understanding that it's okay not to be okay, it's going to be even more important.
0: Yeah, and... There, there will be some kids that would have probably enjoyed enjoyed it quite a lot because they would have got away from like potentially an atmosphere they don't like but then there will be some kids that haven't coped so well with it and that they will struggle won't they when they go back to school because they wouldn't have been in that environment yeah. for so long um, yeah absolutely like not
1: necessarily specifically specifically to my school but I'm sure it does affect different schools I was listening to the radio earlier on the, on the news they were talking about it and they were saying that some some students obviously have nice homes have big gardens so when rules change they could have family and friends over other kids don't and some mm-hmm. kids are living in B&B some kids are you know in really cramped conditions and to suddenly not have anywhere to go and not have some people really thrive at school because they actually have a settled atmosphere that they can come to and they're supported throughout the day and it's not like, like that at home and to have all that support, although we were still there and we were still talking to them every single day, it's completely different, isn't it? To change your routine in that way, and then suddenly in September you're going to be pl- plunked back in and asked to get on with it again.
0: Yeah, and another thing as well that I've I've literally just thought of is I've I've personally struggled quite a lot in lockdown just just kind of. It's it's because it's kind of like a lifestyle change, isn't it? You have to kind of change the whole way that you live. Mm-hmm, absolutely. And if, and if if you're a kind of like a teenager going into that situation, the situation that nobody's ever experienced before, that's that's going to be horrendous. Because I I just think back to when I was mm-hmm. a teenager. And if I've, if I was in this situation now, I I don't really know how I would have coped. So. It's just putting yourself in no, exactly.
1: like, people's shoes, is They're so they. young and they, they rely on being able to see each other on like, social media, always in touch, and to suddenly have that taken away. And then you obviously get the, the people that don't necessarily have parents at home during the day, they might work full-time, who aren't necessarily on lockdown, so they're out and about still. And I can imagine it's really difficult. If you're a child whose parents are doing it all properly and telling you you're not going out, but then you're seeing a, a couple of your friends still are... It
0: must be terribly frustrating, mustn't it? Yeah, and and again, a lot of people have taken lockdown very seriously and kind of stuck to the rules quite strictly, and then other people haven't. So mm. I guess if if kids and teenagers would have seen like their their friends going out and their parents aren't letting them, that's going to be. That's going to have a negative effect for, on on their parents, isn't it? Because they're kind of oh,
1: absolutely.
0: Literally, we, going well, out. When they
1: did, year 10 did return, some of them still couldn't because they had their own personal circumstances where they might have had elderly relatives that move moved in with them, for example. So they've had even longer not in school. And yeah, absolutely, don't get me wrong, when I first to sit here and say education is really important, but then what we're actually doing is we're taking somebody out of something for six months, getting them used to another routine just to kind of, on the 1st of September, say, "Right, you're back now and you're doing X, Y and Z. And Mm to me, I think that's going to be, particularly for the lower ability, particularly for the ones that already struggle with mental health, the routine of a six hour day where you're in front of different teachers learning is tough. It was really tough and to go from not having to do that since March to suddenly being the expectation being there that you're back, you're doing it all right. During the pandemic as well, because it's not gone anywhere, it's not gone away. We're still in a situation where we have to be careful. I think we need to be a little bit more sympathetic to how they're probably feeling at the moment.
0: Yeah, definitely. And when when kids do go back to school, which is, which is pretty soon now, isn't it? it's like next week, isn't it? So...
1: Yeah, ours go back the middle of next week.
0: So that's yeah, it's quite soon. So like, what what sort of precautions are being taken? Is is that is it quite strict? Or...
1: Oh, absolutely. Like, I'm lucky. I work for an absolutely brilliant trust that don't. Like, I've always said wholeheartedly, they wouldn't do anything that put people in danger. But that being said, we have to follow government guidance. And we have to we mm-hmm. have to open. We don't have a choice about that. Um, but yeah, it's all very much they're in specific bubbles, specific areas, specific buildings. Um, hygiene, like hand sanitizer in every classroom. Like they're going to be very well looked after. But it's still we've had to say we can't guarantee 100% that you're not going to get ill because it's it's a pandemic. You can't escape it, can you? So, and they don't understand that because like, I don't understand it. I feel that I'm quite naive to it. I forget about it quite a lot because it's not. It's not something, luckily, yeah, I've had to really be faced with. I've had to have a couple of tests because I've been a bit run down, but luckily I've been fine. Yeah, if somebody that I knew or loved had got it, then maybe I would be a little bit more... But Because if you don't see it, you're not that worried about it, are you? So I think that at the moment we've got two things going on. We've got people that are quite complacent about it, and then we've got people that it's the unknown and they're really scared. We've had an awful lot of students that have... Um, contacted us and ones that you wouldn't expect like we've had a couple of our absolutely best behaved students who work their socks off who have just completely shut down over the lockdown because it's been too much oh, wow. and they've not done as, as much work they've not um, been in touch as much and it's it's' It's actually been quite a shock to... We've been doing a lot of work behind the scenes. We've um, been ringing parents every single day. We've been in touch, like probably more in touch with students than we would be if we were face-to-face with them because we were so aware of this. But it's been really weird how it's affected different people. It's the ones that you would not necessarily expect that probably struggle with it more.
0: Yeah, and again, it's probably because, like we've said already, <laughs> they wouldn't have been put in this sort of situation before, so it will bring out different emotions, different feelings, and... Mm-hmm. I guess for a lot of people it's
1: tough it is like I'm a parent and admittedly my daughter's very young still so it's not quite the same situation but being stuck in with her don't get me wrong was absolutely lovely for most of the time but it was stressful and I found myself getting probably more irate than I usually do losing my temper quicker getting frustrated quicker because it's a really different situation and I wasn't having that regular break where I was thinking about different things and she's obviously bored stuck in frustrated doesn't quite understand it so I can imagine add teenager and hormones to that that conflict's even greater isn't it
0: yeah but I I guess having a younger kid though that you you are dedicating more time to her and that that must be quite difficult for you because you're kind of using your your Usual you time on on your daughter, so it's just again.
1: Yeah, there was a few weeks in particular where obviously I was still working, albeit from home, and my daughter wasn't at nursery for obvious reasons. And trying to work be a mum, my my husband was working full time from home as well, be a wife, be the cooker, be the cleaner. It was really <laughs> tough for a little while. It was really difficult. And I think that everybody probably felt, I think you hit the nail on the head that at the beginning, that change of routine and finally having to get used to a new way of living, it, it was really tough. Just to suddenly, you were not trapped, but you, you didn't have that same sort of escape you'd usually get, did you?
0: No, and we we kind of, we've struggled from time to time. And I've, I've sort of said to Tara quite a lot that, Fair play to everybody that's got kids in this situation because it must it must be really difficult. Just mm. kind of being not not trapped in four walls, but you're you are for most of the time quite confined, aren't you? And you you kind of have to stay in your own little mm. bubble to kind of protect your family. And yeah, absolutely.
1: It, <clears throat> and the issue that we have, right, obviously the prominence of mental health and everything that's happening within the schools is really really affected by social media one of the biggest problems we have we don't have much bullying but when we do have arguments and we do have things like that it all happens over social media nine times out of ten you have kids come in upset it's because somebody said something horrible to them on instagram or facebook and it's even more difficult because when that happens the usual day-to-day they will come back into school we will pick it up very quickly we will deal with it it stops Whereas if they're at home alone in their bedroom and the only contact they have got with people is social media and it's not going very well and they're having negative comments and they're feeling low already, that's another thing that's been, it's very much been in the forefront of my mind that actually most of the time social media is not much of a blessing for teenagers. They can't escape, they never get away from each other, but when that's actually the only thing they can rely on, that I think that can be quite damaging for them.
0: Yeah, I, I agree with that. and. On social media as well you always try and portray the best your best life mm, don't you absolutely. so that that sort of pressure as a teenager must be really difficult because if you're having to kind of look your best and even feel your mm. best all the time that that's going to be quite tiring and like you said quite damaging mm. for that individual
1: that is very much part of the crypto we do um, obviously online safety which is looking at really quite horrific things but also the role of social media like i've taught lessons before where i've i've projected my my facebook and not like obviously the um really private stuff but just a couple of my photos and the first thing to, literally the first thing they say to me is well oh, mitch you actually look really nice and that's okay. crowd and i'm like <laughs> yeah i know so when people check out my facebook this is what i like you'll see that i have nice photos on it you'll see that my status is uh, they're not very regular, they might be a bit witty, they might be something about my daughter, like, everything on there is really positive. But I don't say I cried over my call breaks this morning because I was so tired because I was up all night with my child. Just don't. And I don't put a rough selfie on where I've not washed my hair because, again, I've been up with my child. Don't do that. Yeah. It really did make them think that, actually, this person that they perceived to be one thing in front of them... Who like, I'm, I'm very consistent at work. I look the same. I dress the same. I'm very much. Uh, I try and stay on a level with them. For them to see that, they were like, "But that's a lie," then. And I was like, "Exactly." But yeah. <laughs> Social yeah. media is we can't, we can't trust it. You, like it makes you feel rubbish about yourself, but you've got to remember that actually, it's not true. It only shows like a small percentage of what's going on in somebody's life.
0: Yeah, and it would be. I I think it'd be really interesting if. Because you know you get a lot of these campaigns that go on on social media. It'd be really interesting if somebody was like, "Oh, we're going to do a campaign where for a week where everybody has to post how they're actually feeling about themselves and yeah, what they're really thinking and posting pictures of themselves without make like just without like makeup on or doing your hair and stuff like that." It'd be, I don't know. I just think it'd be quite yeah. interesting. It might change people's mentality about social media, but.
1: Yeah, I think it is something, and it is a constant, constant battle with us. So obviously, we we do teach them. We do have lessons on social media. We have a lot of lessons. With one of the new changes again with um, Ofsted in the curriculum is the emphasis on relationships and sex education. So it's not just education, use contraception that we all had, it's actually a focus on relationships and good relationships healthy relationships, not healthy relationships, coercive behaviour and all of that, so they have oh, a, okay. a lot of teaching about what makes a healthy relationship but at the same time telling a kid to, oh, if he's being unkind on you block him or don't go on Facebook then, it's not realistic is it so no. it is it is a difficult thing where I think in a couple of years once they get more into this curriculum and it's actually settled and they have a better understanding of mental health and they have a better understanding of how they should be treated and what they're worth, I think things will start to settle again. But at the moment, it's just a shame that that's, like If you think back to your sex education at school, did you learn anything about what was a healthy relationship?
0: Oh, to, to be honest, I don't think I learned a lot, a lot about sex education at school. <laughs> so, that's probably, probably <laughs> exactly. speaking to the wrong person. Exactly. But like, I I, I, re- that, I yeah. remember my sexual education lessons were in a biology class, sat around a wooden table with um, what were they, you know like the gas gas taps,
1: yeah,
0: and <laughs> we had a little shitty um, video screen that came out, a TV screen, with a video came on, and it was a family naked playing frisbee on the beach, and that was literally it. That was it. Li- <laughs> that was literally our sex education lesson, and and like. I'm pretty sure that if, if Martin listens to this, he he will remember that same video. <laughs> if, yeah. Because yeah, I'm pretty I sure remember that... remember
1: something quite similar. Yeah. And there was a horrific... You had to watch somebody give birth and it was the most god-awful woman, bless her, I've <laughs> ever seen in my life. And it, it worked. I didn't have children until I was really quite old. <laughs> so it obviously did something. But I can't sit... I, I couldn't tell you what I learned in terms of how I fit in in the world. I didn't... Learning about LGBTQ that wasn't in existence when we were growing up, as far as I can remember. Learning about all those different things do cause mental health problems because people don't understand it and they might be having their own battles. That wasn't something that had much prevalence. Whereas now, again, it feels a bit like we're playing catch-up, that we realise that there are these vulnerable groups that actually need a lot more support in coming to terms with how they fit into the world.
0: Yeah, and you, you could, you can you could have kind of looking back from when I was at school. You, I do kind of vaguely remember the people that probably you could put in those categories that probably needed a mm-hmm. little bit of help, and it's such a shame that that yeah, wasn't absolutely. around at the time because it would have been a blessing for them to have had those sort of. I, I don't know I don't know what how what way to put it but just had that extra little bit of help and it might have helped mm. them develop a little bit more I think
1: mm. yeah absolutely because it it has I would say it is changing because obviously when we were growing up the age which people felt comfortable to say actually I, I do think I might be a little bit different and like trying to work out what that meant and who they were was something that happened quite a lot later in school like probably year 10 year 11 sixth form yeah, whereas yeah. now because we teach it and we op- we're open about it we have quite a lot of the younger years that might not necessarily be able to say oh i'm i'm gay or i you know what i'm i'm not as masculine as 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 other boys i'm not sure what that means They they find it a lot easier to come to us and say something's not quite right or something's different and I'm not sure what it is and I think that's probably because we put so much more emphasis on on that side of it and they they are aware of the links between particularly LGBTQ plus and mental health and actually that they do go hand in hand unfortunately quite a lot of the time because Mm -hmm. people still were trying to find out how they can exist in society if they are different so I think that's probably quite a good thing that with this Curriculum and with what they're learning and with the support they're getting, they actually are finding it a little bit easier to say. I'm I'm having a bit of a battle, even if they can't articulate what that actually means or what that might mean for them in the future. They are more open to be able to say it.
0: Yeah, and I I think that's a really really positive thing. Like having that leap of confidence, I guess, in being able to say how you feel. And and that's that's kind of what I'm trying to do. In this podcast is just get people to speak about stuff that they might not be that comfortable in speaking mm-hmm. about. And it's, yeah, it's, it's been, it's been great because I've, I've had people tell me stuff that I would have never have guessed about them. And mm-hmm. like the most confident people have sort of said, Oh, I've suffered from mental health, blah, blah. And it's, it's just, it's just, that's, that is the one common denominator is just get people to speak and, Say how they feel, even Mm, if they don't actually know what they feel, just to Mm. discuss it. I think,
1: yeah, absolutely. And I think that's we're quite lucky where I am at the moment because we're putting a lot more emphasis into the pastoral team and members of staff that can support them, people that have been trained in different areas. Like, we've got one member of staff who's going to be trained up specifically on mental health, and she will be like our mental health triage if if that makes sense. Mm -hmm. So Students will know, they can talk to any member of staff, obviously, but there is somebody in the school who's actually been trained specifically to deal with mental health crises or mental health issues. So I think there is a lot that's happening, but I don't think we necessarily see the benefits to step about it because it is is still quite new to education, I'd say. I think it's been improving over the years, but I think that with these changes recently, I'm, I'm hopeful that we're going to see a lot more change and a lot more positivity
0: yeah it's yes it's 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 really good that it's there now but it's it will be a a learning curve i think for everybody
1: Mm, absolutely but if we can tackle the young ones and get them then hopefully it will it will trickle through but we that's another thing that we we do struggle with we do have students that they might be struggling with their mental health, they might be struggling with their sexuality, and they don't always have supportive parents or they don't always have educated parents. And I don't mean they don't have educated parents, I mean educated parents in terms of understanding those differences. So you'll have parents where they come in and they talk about their mental health and parents have said to them, Oh, well, I don't understand why you're miserable. I've got like, you've got a really nice home life or something like that, which is just really naive. It's not horrible, but they don't obviously understand it. But that's because they're from a very different generation who wasn't who were not exposed to what we're trying to teach these these students. Mm-hmm. So again, I think it will it's going to take time in order for society to move along. But at least we're getting things in the right place again now.
0: Yeah, definitely. that's really good so yeah thanks for coming on and like really opening up and yeah I've, I've learned quite a lot on this podcast because I didn't know anything about the education system and what happens in schools these days so that's been really helpful for me so thanks for coming on and yeah speak to you soon
1: Thank you very much for having me. I've, uh, I've, I've appreciated it. It's been nice to have a chat with you. Yeah, you will speak to me too.
0: <laughs> <laughs> okay, bye. <laughs> Thanks for listening to episode three of the Stress Sessions. Keep sharing, keep downloading, keep subscribing and make sure you're following at Stress Sessions on Instagram to find out more. Okay, thanks. Bye.